Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at theyogahour at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and today we'll be looking at some insights and some practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga, a philosophy and practice for spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in our world today. Yoga is a Sanskrit word, of course, very common today. People know what it is, but not everyone is connected to the fullness of what yoga is about, meaning this philosophy of awakened living and referring to oneness, union, or unity, meaning being restored to our original wholeness, bringing our attention and our awareness to consciously abide in our essential nature and then living in the highest way in harmony with the truth of what we are. And, you know, as we progress on the path of yoga, that's not always so easy for us to figure out what is it to live in the highest way. And today's guest, uh, Philip Goldberg, has written a really um, supportive book called Road Signs on the Spiritual Path, Living at the Heart of Paradox that helps us take a look at you know, how we strengthen our discernment along the way, and especially at those junctures that can seem very confusing. Philip Goldberg is a spiritual counselor, meditation teacher, and ordained interfaith minister. He's the author or co-author of 19 books. He lectures and leads workshops throughout the country. He's a novelist and screenwriter as well, living in Los Angeles where he founded Spiritual Wellness and Healing Associates. He's the director of outreach for spiritualcitizens.net and blogs regularly on the Huffington Post. And I think our listeners would enjoy um, tuning in to his blog and also on intent.com. His books include the one we're going to be drawing from today, Road Signs on the Spiritual Path, Living at the Heart of Paradox, and the um, very popular American Veda from Emerson and the Beatles to Yoga and Meditation, How Indian Spirituality Changed the West. And our listeners will find um, some archives here on Unity Online Radio Conversations with um, Philip about that book. He's also one of the featured commentators in the new documentary film, Awake, The Life of of Yogananda. His website is philipgoldberg.com. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour, Phil. I'm so delighted to be talking with you again. I am delighted to be with you. It always is a joy. Thank you. Before we launch into our conversation, let's just take a moment for centering just to practice yoga as we talk about it. Om 
in our day can be a yoga moment, a moment of bringing our attention and our awareness to consciously connect with our essential nature, to become more aware of that one reality that is called by many names that indwells us, surrounds us, one life, one power, one presence. Remembering that we live and move and have our being in that and that we are always abiding in that and when we meditate, we are meditating in that. We're not trying to go somewhere, we're not trying to find something, we're not trying to connect with something separate. We're just letting go into the fullness of what we are. So let your breath be your letting go tool in this moment and breathing in, feel that you are diving within, connecting to the fullness of your being, to peace within you, to joy within you. And with your out breath, just relax, let go, and let your spine become more erect. You can feel the vital force flowing from the base of your spine up to the top of your head. Breathing in, diving within, breathing out, relaxing and becoming more aware. And as we take a moment like this to just stop, stop doing what we're doing, stop being so engaged in thought, and just allow ourselves to relax and to turn within. And in a moment like this, we can discover peace within us, stillness within us and then invite that peace to pervade our mind and our body and and then decide to take that peace with us wherever we go into our day everywhere Goldberg's book that we'll be drawing from in our conversation today, Roadsides on the Spiritual Path, Living at the Heart of Paradox, helps us take a look at, you know, how to navigate through what often seems like conflicting information on the spiritual path. Paramahansa Yogananda said, the path to God is like a razor's edge. But discouragement is never justified because we don't have to acquire or win anything. We only have to realize that God is already within us. So this razor's edge, um, Phil, you have also used to describe the paradoxical nature of the spiritual path. And, you know, some examples of that are, you know, this ultimate reality that we seek to know is said to be um, unknowable and yet unknowable, to be formless and yet expresses in form, transcendent and eminent, changing and infinitely varied, um, that we must use our minds, but we can't perceive it with the mind. Um, we already have what we need, but we could use some improvement and support, you know, and it goes on and on. And, and your book uh, names many of them. And I, of course, loved your description that the path is as serious as a sermon and as wacky as a sitcom uh, so it's helpful of course if we can, <laughs> yeah, it is and it's helpful if we can keep our sense of humor along the way and you know you're such a master of that so I, I just want to start with you know asking what you have appreciated about the paradoxical nature of the path oh that's a great question um, I 
I'll back up a little bit. I, I've been on my own yogic path since, well, 1967 or 68. And over the years, I, I noticed, well, it's not as simple as we thought it was. <laughs> it gets a little complicated. The advice gets a little contradictory. And we run into these um these forks in the road where we have to make decisions about what's best for our spiritual lives and integrate that with the um, so-called real world and all the issues we have to deal with. And, and what I learned over the years is just talking to people as, as a fellow seeker and as a writer is that everybody runs into the same basic issues regardless of with what their individual path is. And anybody who takes their spiritual life seriously and seeks union with the divine and seeks to grow spiritually is going to, you know, face similar challenges. And at one point I realized it comes down to these kind of paradoxes and that there's a very good reason for that. And while they were driving me crazy to get back to your question when I realized that paradox is kind of built into the nature of things that the reason we experience what we uh, what we feel as ambiguity or ambivalence or a little confusion when we feel things are contradictory um, the whole it's a reflection of the the macrocosm of the universe, because the universe itself is paradoxical. You just named some of the sort of cosmic paradoxes, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that the divine is formless and infinite, and yet manif- inf- infinitely present and infinitely diverse mm-hmm. in each little manifestation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, physics tells us the universe is paradoxical, you know, what we call subatomic particles, the constituents of reality, are both, on the one hand, waves, on the other hand, particles. And so that enabled me to appreciate the whole thing, to get back to your question, when, when I realized, no, it's not just me, it's not just that I'm, uh, I lack awareness, or I lack insight, or I lack discernment, it's just that's the nature of things. And there's a certain um, power in in that realization because you. What happened with me was I started to realize I can look at all that with some a sense of separation, some sense of witnessing and humor and awe and wonder, instead of agonizing over every bit of it as if it was my fault <laughs> and, you know that that's just the nature of things and we all share this um existence in this paradoxical universe yeah. and, and so i appreciate the very nature of the paradox now yeah and you know for me as i as i thought about that question in, in reading your book i realized that um I have sort of an inherent love for paradox. I mean, mm-hmm. there have been times, yeah. you know, when it has, you know, I've hit the wall with it. And, and, and we can talk about that, you know, as we go through the program this morning. But, but really, what happened for me was when I found out that in yoga, philosophy, and practice, there was room for paradox. That was such a turn-on for me <laughs> because, mm. you know, as a seeker, when I went down, to, you know, various religious paths, the you know, some of the ones I tried out, there was no room for paradox. You know, there was only certainty. Right. You know, this is the way, and it is the way for everybody. So when I found yoga... And, you know, I, I heard about, you know, Sri Ramakrishna saying to a devotee, well, you know, wh- 
how would you like to talk about God, you know, with qualities or without? You know, I thought, oh, you know, I thought, God, you know, I've come home. And then, you know, to find out that the path um, is described in so many different ways in yoga. You know, there's the path of devotion and there's the path of wisdom. And that you can actually find, you know, assertions in the various texts that, that you know, each one is the best way. <laughs> right, so, that's right, in the same text. Exactly, and you know, <laughs> somehow, it, I, you know, I just, lo- I felt okay. I can deal with this now, you know, because I, I just couldn't deal with the certainty. So, you know, that. Yeah. That was my that was my thing, but you know I have also run into some bumps in the road about okay how do you navigate this, um, and so you know for, you know for example and I, and I find um, one of the things that's very common and it happened for me and I and I see it with others that I work with today is that you know this whole idea about God right and you're going along mm-hmm. and. You know, maybe you pick up the path of bhakti and you're devotional and you're, you're praying and you've got your prayer life all worked out. And then somehow you, you, you get the insight and the philosophical introduction to that reality, which is beyond, beyond, you know? And so then your prayer life goes out the window because how do you pray to that? <laughs> right. There's no form to pray to. Exactly. And so, you know, and then I think that was the experience that I had that was kind of like the carpet coming out from under me, you know, just when I thought I had it all figured out, you know, Ah. uh, you know, there. And and then uh, what happened? (laughs) What happened after that? Well, then I, I realized that for me, it was the... It, it, it was the grace of the divine itself that was pulling out the carpet. Right. Um, so that was that was really lovely for me. You, you know, know and, if I can say, I I uh, I started. I had an opposite experience. I I didn't have any religious upbringing. I thought all um, you know uh, religious life was foolish when I was a kid. And my parents were that way. They were atheists. And then when I got on my yogic path, I became, I was this Advaita guy. I was really into the oneness and the non-dual. And basically, I still am. I see that as the mm-hmm. ultimate reality. But I also came to respect the bhaktas. And I say, you know, this business of feeling devotion uh, seems to be beneficial, and sometimes I want that. I feel that upsurge within me mm-hmm. to communicate to the divine, to relate to something. With and it's hard to do that without form. So what? <laughs> yes. What is that about? Uh-huh. And then I discovered something in uh, the writings of um, uh, Shankara. You know, um, mm-hmm. whom I, I revered as this, you know, giant figure in the history of Indian thought and uh, the, the great articulator of non-dual uh, oneness in Advaita Vedanta. And yeah. then I realized he wrote hymns. Exactly. He composed, he composed devotional poems and songs, and I said... What is that about? And then someone showed me a line in one of his devotional hymns to the Divine Mother, where he says essentially this, I'm paraphrasing, Divine Mother, you and I both know there's no separation, that we're one, but permit me to love you in form anyway. (laughs) You know, and I thought, yeah, he's acknowledging the cosmic paradox of mm-hmm. form and formlessness, and that was one of the things that made me realize the whole universe is structured that way. Exactly, and we do see it in you know many of the yoga masters. I mentioned Sri Ramakrishna, and and of course the Paramahansa Yogananda. Um, you, right. you, you know, had that strong devotional quality um, uh, about him, but also this clear. Uh, insight in into that which is beyond all form. Um, we're going to mm-hmm. take a break, and and when we get back, I think it would be helpful if we take a look at 
how intuition is um, one of our tools that can help us steer through this um, winding path. You're listening to The Yoga Hour with guest Philip Goldberg, author of Road Signs on the Spiritual Path. His website is philipgoldberg.com. And when we get back from the break, we're going to talk about some things that help us navigate our way on the path. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. Hello, listeners. Did you know we've gone mobile? That's right. Your favorite Unity Online Radio programs are available on your mobile device. Now you can take us with you wherever you go. Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity Online Radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit Unity Online Radio and click on Mobile Listening. Many people believe that happiness is an addition problem. If we can add what we want to our life, then we will be happy. In reality, happiness is a subtraction problem. It is learning to subtract all that has kept us from being happy. What thought, fear, or belief is keeping you from being happy? Let it go from your mind and watch how much happier you become. Let go of the past. Release regret and resentment, and you'll be free to move forward and create the life you deserve. This moment of inspiration was brought to you by Reverends Richard Mirage and Richard Rogers, hosts of Spiritual R&R. For more spiritual insight, join them every Monday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and I'm joined today by Philip Goldberg, um, who is the author of Roadsides on the Spiritual Path, Living at the Heart of Paradox, and his website is philipgoldberg.com. And in this segment, we're going to just take a look at some of the practices that help us navigate these um, really seeming um, dualities on the on the path. You know, conflicting information. Um, how do we really find our way through it? And um, so, of course, one of the things you name in your book, Phil, and you know what really I under I know from my personal experience is so essential is that we have to develop our own intuitive ability, this way to know um, that is beyond mind, you know, beyond reason, and um, you refer to it so beautifully as uh, the sacred third that arises between dualities. I really loved that, that, you know, we ha- we sit in the midst of this, you know, um, struggle, and then something else arises. You know, I, one of the um, talks I was sharing the other day was one of my struggles early on in the path was um, wanting to follow all the rules, you know, yeah. and... 
um, and be good. I really wanted to be good. And it was really horrible. You know, it was just kind of, uh, <laughs> it was just, you know, I was uptight and angry and I mm-hmm. couldn't do it right. And, you know, and, and so I, I, I really, I meditated on this, you know, like, why isn't this working? I'm, I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to do, but yet, you know, I'm not experiencing this bliss. And the insight that came to me was that it wasn't for me to be good. It, I was already good. That's the nature of the whole thing. But what I needed to be was authentic. Mm. Very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there we have it. And that's, that's one of the paradoxes. Exactly. One of the paradoxes I describe in the book is this whole notion that uh, we're already perfect in, in, in our ultimate nature, and we are where we are, and yet and, and we're called on to sort of transcend our individual personalities and awaken to the, uh, the, the ultimate self that we are all share, and yet we're told to work on ourselves and be better. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. one of the paradoxes is, it, in awakening to what transcends our personality, helps us become better personalities. Exactly. <laughs> and working on our personalities the right way helps us to awaken to the fact that we're not just our personalities. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and, but, but working on our working on our personality in the wrong way, like I was, right. you know, and, 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 and overdoing it, working too uh-huh. hard at it is this can set you back because uh-huh. you're just driving yourself crazy. Yeah. Whereas if you go too far in the other direction, you become complacent. So that, that's all part of the uh, the stuff of it all. Well, and it seems that, you know, if we follow the practices, um, you know, especially like meditation and study and, you know, surrender the three core practices we have in Kriya Yoga, you know, if we can just be steadfast with that, the breakthrough comes, you know, the insight comes. And, you know, my experience of this teaching that came to me about, you know, being good, you know, what I needed to be was authentic. And, you know, I'm still mm. trying to figure out how to do that. But, you know, and that was decades <laughs> but ago. You're, you're, you're figuring it out authentically. <laughs> exactly. But, <laughs> but, you know, that's an intuitive insight. So yeah. um, tell us about your experience with intuition and how, you know, how you found that to be a support for you as you made your way through this yoga path. Well, I got interested actually in intuition as a, as a way of knowing and trying to figure it out very early on in my path. In fact, one of my early books was called The Intuitive Edge. I hate to admit it, but it's thirty years old now, and it was one of the first books on one of the first books on intuition. And because I've always um, knew there was that element of knowing that we undervalued. At the same time, I tend to be a kind of uh, thinker. I think a lot. I'm very rational, which is one of the ways you get yourself stuck in paradox and contradiction. Um, you know, you, you, you can think your way into a morass. And um, what I realized ultimately, and this is, <laughs> this is in itself is paradoxical, but we'll get to that in a minute, that ultimately uh, you can't think or reason or analyze your way through the kind of um, decisive moments that come along in life, especially on a spiritual path, where you're dealing with higher realities than the intellect or logic can possibly come to terms with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so in the end, you know, you, you have to be in tune with your own feelings. It's like you said, you, want, you need to be authentic. Well, part of that is being in tune with your authentic self, your deepest self, and, and that's an intuitive process. Mm-hmm. to discern those little voices within you that um, come from uh, the, the, a higher wisdom than the intellect, 
and, mm-hmm. and, and reason and logic and analysis. Um, the, the voice within us that we often shut out and are not quite in tune with because um, that's where insight and illumination and uh, penetrating sort of a sense of uh, knowingness and what mm-hmm. knowing what the right uh, thing to do is and what the right choice to make is ultimately comes down to, and there's a lot of research to back this up, it just in terms of everyday you know, business decisions and po- problem solving and scientific discoveries and so forth. And the paradox here is that we also need our intellects. We, well, we do need to think. We do need logic. We do need reason. And those things contribute to the raw materials that ultimately uh, give rise to the intuitive insights that we have to uh, become attuned to. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it does come down to that, you know, mm-hmm. feeling our way through mm-hmm. um, these paradoxes. And I was so um, grateful, you know, when I found the path of yoga, that I was not required to leave my intellect uh <laughs> Uh, aside, you know, that right. the, that the intellect is welcome, um, you know, in the sphere of yoga. Um, but there is also the understanding that it has its limitations. But the beauty of it is if you, you know, if you follow that path, you know, step by step, um, and you really use the mind, you know, as what yoga teaches us is that you can use the mind uh, to take you beyond the mind, yeah, yes. and that is that you know that is such a beautiful teaching because you know as I said um, <clears throat> in the beginning you know what what I, I wasn't raised in a particular religion either but I, I tried to find one but I couldn't find anything that worked for me um, because I really did want to be able to use my intellect and uh, it didn't work for me to have somebody say well you know even though this doesn't sound right to you you should just have faith in it. Right. Um, right. <laughs> that didn't work. You know, I no. really wanted to think things through. Um, but then, you know, we, we have to understand and, and yoga does give us that map, like how the mind works and, you know, you know, ultimately, the, the ultimate leap I, as yoga presents it to us is, is to pop out of intellect, you know, to pop out of our identification with intellect. That's right. And That's so, right. um, but you can actually use the intellect to get there. So there's another or paradox. Or at least to the us. door of it. You, you exactly. can use intellect and reason to get to the door of it, and then you have to let that go to yeah. enter, essentially. Yes. And, but, but how do we know that? Because smart people use their intellects to tell us that and teach us that and to teach it to us in a very reasonable and rational way. That's one of the things that appealed to me about the whole yogic tradition was it was not inconsistent with reason and logic. And as you said, it didn't ask you to, to leave that behind. It asked you to leave it behind at the right moment, but not in living your life. Yeah, and there's another paradox, of course, that comes up, you know, when we think of this scenario, you know, that's described, you know, as the ultimate um, experience of samadhi, of liberation, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> where, you know, a person is using discriminative wisdom, insight, and then, you know, there is the experience of going beyond that, you know, this right. letting go of identification with the intellect and seeing clearly that we're not that. You know, although that's, you know, been the point of reference, that letting go of that point of reference is attributed to divine grace. And so this this other paradox comes that says, okay, um, and we find it in potentially, you know, that that you you progress faster in, in you know on the path in 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 terms of how much effort and intensity you bring, and then ultimately. Um, it's not up to you, <laughs> right? That's right. That's right. But but here's a uh, I'll, I'll, I, two. I have two very uh, favorite quotes when it comes to that one. Ramakrishna used to compare grace to um, the wind, 
And if, if you're sailing, you're, you, you're, you're dependent on the wind, just as you're, in the spiritual life, dependent on grace. It's out of your control. But at the same time, you have to set your sails properly mm-hmm. so that you catch the wind properly. And um, in, similarly, on the spiritual path, ultimately, it's beyond effort. It's beyond anything you do. It's beyond prediction. It's beyond all of that because divine grace is not within our control. But we can do the things we do, the practices, the orientation to life, that increases our odds, so to speak. There's a, a Zen teacher once said that enlightenment is an accident, and meditation makes us accident-prone. <laughs> yeah. So, you, so there's this, you can't do anything, but at the same time, you have to do something. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I, I'm guessing just just because I know you and, uh, you know, for a period of time I sort of watched the winds of grace, you know, blowing in your life and you cooperating with them, you know, especially as uh, American Beta came out and um, just a lot of grace uh, happening with mm-hmm. that. And so um, has that been pretty much your experience on the path as you just kind of opened yourself to this and there you go? Yes. Yes, despite myself, <laughs> because yes. because I I have long been in the habit of you know trying to control things oh. and and you know make things happen and that's a virtue in life you know we wouldn't accomplish anything if we didn't do that but at the same time you have to recognize the limits of that and sometimes just let things be and what I've found in my spiritual life, and this is just all, this is stuff my intellect knew 40 years ago, because I read it and because gurus told me that, you know, at the more you practice your yoga, the more you meditate and whatever, all your practices, the more you tune in, the more things unfold by themselves, and you, mm-hmm. the more sort of... Um, support you get from the universe that things will unfold in the right way for you in in ways you can't control or predict. And it took me so many years to finally realize that how true that is. Uh And and I think that when you do things that um, um, support your own, uh, the expansion of your own consciousness and you are stepping into let's you use the word authentic before let's let's add to that the word dharma uh-huh. if if i may so if if you're doing if you're behaving in a way that's in accord with your own nature your and your dharma your destiny your what right action for you is and it's contributing to the good of the world and to others, uh, that comes back to you in a certain way. And something about the publication of American Veda must have been really in tune. It's not not in terms of like, you know, when I say that, people think, oh, it must be a bestseller and he's rich. No, sorry. But other forms, <laughs> other forms of... of uh, wonder and joy and uh, um, beauty and love have come uh, as a result of the publication of that book that I never, ever could have predicted or or worked out. So I'm much more inclined now to um, accept what is and go, as we used to say in the hippie days, to go with the flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because and, it is. Un- know, it does unfold if you put yourself, if you set your sails properly. Exactly. 
Exactly. And, you know, I was thinking as I was listening to you that this admonition from Rumi, um, that we should learn, you know, to work at least as hard on the inside as we do on the outside, you know. Yeah. And that's a shift, you know, for so many of us who are used to um, putting, you know, 90% of our effort on, you know, what we do externally and, you know, maybe yeah. 10% internally, but but to have more balance and... Um, and just watch. And then, you know, life, I think, does become so much more enjoyable. Um, it's so much more fun. You know, it's, it's like a play that you're in and you, you're watching it unfold. <laughs> and, um, yeah. It's, it's really quite a lovely experience. I, you know, I have that with the work of the center, which has gone on for, over 33 years now and it's so beyond anything that I know I could have ever pulled off you know it's there's a big grace factor in there and you know that makes it so joyful but well it is your middle name (laughs) it is my middle name and (laughs) it does and it has required a whole lot of work so we're back to paradox Mm. again yeah back to that and I'm glad you use the word balance because um this is a critical element in this whole business of living at the heart of paradox, which, by the way, is a quote from Rumi. And um, because if you're dealing with situations in life that are marked by paradox, you feel them as ambiguity and ambivalence and so forth. And there's this on the one hand, but on the other hand, quality <laughs> to it all. And if you just use your reason you'll you'll drive yourself crazy mm-hmm. and so you'll that's just go where back the and back forth and back and forth yeah exactly. right but but that's where the balance of intellect and intuition comes in but in every as i was working on this book and doing my research and interviewing people this issue of balance kept coming up and that's you know that image of uh, the spiritual path being a razor's edge which comes right out of the upanishads mm-hmm. where it's called a razor's edge um, I thought, well, if you're walking on a razor's edge, what do you need? You need balance. Because mm-hmm. if, you go too, if you go too far in the direction of one arm of the paradox uh, or the other arm of the paradox, you will fall off the edge. You, you need proper balance. That's why Buddha ultimately called his path the middle way. Extremes don't seem to work out. Very well. And exactly. Balance so, is terribly, terribly important. Wonderful. So when we get back, we'll talk about patience and faith and how that can support us in having balance. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and you're listening to the Yoga Hour with our guest today, Philip Goldberg. His website is philipgoldberg.com. And um, Phil would like you to know about a class that he has that is available um, to you in archive version now um, called The Great Yogic Transmission. And you can find this course at holistica.com. That's W. H-O-L-I-S-I-K-A. Did I get that right, Phil? No. You left out the T. I left out the T. I thought I did. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so H-O-L-W-H-O-L-I-S-I-K-A. You spell it, Phil. Perhaps I should do it. You should do it. W-H-O-L-I-S-T-I-K-A. Holistica. Oh, that's so... Thank you very much, and we'll be right back with you. Have you seen Unity Magazine lately? There's a new editor, a fresh new look, and now Unity Magazine has gone digital. Print subscribers, you can access Unity Magazine for free from your computer or mobile device. Non-subscribers can buy single digital issues through Google Play, Amazon, and the Apple Store. Sign up at our website and let Unity Magazine become your favorite digital resource for spirituality and inspiration. To learn more, visit unitymagazine.org slash digital. Are you ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? 
Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways? Do you feel your soul is calling you to deeper purposes? Join Reverend Galen McDowell live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms, a discussion on how God within you, as you, is the power to transform your life. If you really believe that consciousness determines your experiences and that you are an individualized expression of God, join us as we help awaken and transform the consciousness of humanity. We will discuss, through lecture, live interviews and call-in questions, spiritual healing, prayer, prosperity, forgiveness, new thought views about eternal life, and much more. The world is waiting for your truth transformation, only on Unity Online Radio. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at the Yoga Hour at UnityOnlineRadio.org and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien. I'm joined today by my friend and colleague Philip Goldberg, author of the book we're drawing from that is called Road Signs on the Spiritual Path, Living at the Heart of Paradox. And um, we were talking in the last segment about um, intuition and spiritual practice as a way of opening ourselves to grace um, because ultimately these insights come um, beyond reason and beyond effort. Um, and my guru, Roy Jean Davis, wrote, always do your best and let God do the rest. You can do much to help yourself be fulfilled. And if you do it, grace can and will do what you cannot do. So this um, also brings in the element of patience. Um, you know, we that that the that the path is not just a straight line, you know, to the center and uh, you know, so many pilgrimages are a winding path um, and it takes patience. Um, so Phil, talk a little bit about this um, paradox yeah. of you know that, that the path <laughs> is at once direct and a winding path, and what is yeah. our need for patience on that? Well, you know, I, I break down the book into four categories of paradox, and, and one of them is you're already there. I mean, that's one of the teachings. We're already there. There's nothing to be done. You just have to wake up to the reality of what we really are. But at the same time, there's a long way to go. So you're already there, but there's a long way to go. And and in in living out that paradox, we run into this business of wanting to pursue our spiritual path with diligence. And we want the promise of the yogic uh, the yogic uh, vision to be enlightened, to be free of suffering, to experience bliss all the time and joy and so forth. And we want that. I mean, that's what we're here for. And so we can do two things wrong. One, not wrong, but we can err in two different ways. One is we can be so determined to get there fast, and I've seen this many, many times, that we go hogwire into all the spirituality and neglect the practical stuff of real life. So our relationships and our jobs and all the rest of it get shortchanged because we're so busy pursuing enlightenment. <laughs> and the paradox, of, the paradox of that is when your life gets messed up, it, it holds you back spiritually because, you know, you can't, pursue your spiritual life if you're busy trying to clear up the wreckage of the mistakes you're making and you don't have money and you don't have a relationship and all the rest of it. Um, The other extreme is we can just say we have to be patient, we have to just allow grace to operate, and we become complacent on the spiritual path. And we, we exercise no 
discipline and no uh, sense of um, making time for our practices and devoting energy to our spiritual life because, you know, there's nothing to be done. It's just going to unfold the way God intended. So we can go either way on that. And what I found on that is that there's different times of life, different periods of life where, you know, that balance shifts. And you mm-hmm. might devote more time to your spiritual life. You may go on retreat for a while. And other times when you have to be more engaged in the world and, you know, devote yourself a little less to that. And ultimately you realize that the, the, the stuff of the world is part of the spiritual path. That's one of the other paradoxes that in the book, which is we're taught that we need to uh, leave the world behind, transcend the stuff of real life. <clears throat> and at the same time, we're told to embrace it, because yeah. it too is divine. And that is another ultimate paradox, that the stuff that we think holds us back from devoting our lives to spirituality if we approach it in the right way, they become part of the path too. They become our one, you know, part of our sadhana, part of our practice. Exactly, so. and we're um, we're supported along the way in not dividing up the spiritual life and the material life. That right. you know, there is one one reality. Well, Phil, I really want to thank you for being with me on the yoga hour this morning. I know you have an airport to get to, and so I'm going to yes. continue on with our um, topic you, a, a little bit while you uh, sign off and just remind our listeners that they can find other programs. Uh, with you uh, at the Unity Online Radio Archives. Thanks again, mm-hmm. Phil. Always Bye. a joy to be with you. Thank Lots you. of love. Thank Bye. you. Bye. So it's been lovely uh, talking with Phil this morning, and I thought um, we'd just take a few minutes to conclude. Um, just pulling a little bit from the conclusion of his book uh, in which he asks, why not make it a joyful journey? Joy is the unmistakable evidence of the presence of God, said Meister Eckhart. And of course, I always love the quote by Swami Sri Yukteswar who said, a sad saint is a sad saint. And so, you know, it's it's so helpful for us to understand that as we grapple with learning and growing along the way, a true indication of um, being, um, you know, at the heart of our spiritual growth, our spiritual life, our spiritual connection, true indication of that is joy. And so why not make it a joyful journey? Phil writes, take the scenic route and blast your favorite music while you relish the views. There's nothing unspiritual about taking pleasure in the delights of the world for, and he quotes uh, Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Make time for activities that enchant you. Do things that make you giggle, no matter how trivial or silly they may seem. They're not taking time away from spiritual things. They are spiritual things. Maybe that is part of the innocence Jesus referred to when he said we have to be like children to enter the kingdom. I once heard someone ask a guru, does it take a long time to get enlightened? The teacher laughed, only if you're in a hurry, he said. It's worth noting, however, that the same teacher urges his followers to be diligent with their practices, attend weekly gatherings, and make pilgrimages to his ashram. And there it is. Hurrying is a detriment, and so is dawdling impatience a hindrance, and so is nonchalance. As with any journey, the spiritual path is most happily and productively traversed by those who can fully enjoy where they are at every moment and still move forward purposefully. It requires knowing yourself well enough to set an appropriate pace. Perhaps, like the bush in which Moses found God, we have to burn with desire for the holy without being consumed by the flame. And his last words closing the book are, persevere, lighten up, be diligent, take it easy, get serious, be happy.
It's been a joy sharing this yoga hour with you today. I want to remind you you can find out more about Phil's work at philipgoldberg.com. Join us next week as we continue our series on spiritual practice with the program Living from the Inside Out, The Way of Improvisation with guest Patricia Ryan Madsen. For information about Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, please visit csecenter.org. And if you're listening live today, you'll find a button there that will allow you to um, tune in and register for the program tonight with Swami Bodhananda giving a talk on uh, wisdom for spiritual living um Practical living from the Bhagavad Gita. That's with Swami Bodhananda at csecenter.org. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour at iTunes and let your friends know about it. I look forward to being with you again. And remember to let your inner light shine into the world all the time. Share your peace and your joy with everyone you meet. And thank you, Jeff, in the sound room there at Unity Online. Appreciate you very much. Bye, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. Reverend Paulette's mantra is, it's all a prayer. Tune in every Tuesday as Unity Minister Paulette Pipe leads you in meditation and prayer on touching the stillness. Make no mistake, this is not nap time. With an energy that will captivate you, touching the stillness will guide you in deep meditation, leaving you enlivened. Hear astounding meditations and learn more about different forms of meditation. Enrich your prayer life as Reverend Paulette, Senior Minister of Touching the Stillness Ministries, affirmatively prays with power and authority by taking live prayer requests from callers like you. Whether you have a prayer request for yourself or for a loved one or are ready for a deepened meditation experience, make sure you tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Central Time, where we'll be joining in consciousness with the unceasing prayer activity of the Silent Unity 24-7 Prayer Ministry at Unity Village. That's Touching the Stillness with Reverend Paulette Pipe every Tuesday right here on Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Letting go in the stillness. According to an ancient Hindu teaching, if you can only speak the truth and tell no lies for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment from Reverend Joan Gattuso and Unity Magazine is brought to you by Unity. the key to happiness would you like to find the fountain of youth how about all the money and love that you could handle well my friends it is there for you 
You just need to strip off the false beliefs that keep your divine inheritance from being attracted into your life. You need to be real. Be vulnerable. Be naked. What are you waiting for? Let's get naked. This transformational program with Reverend Heidi Alfrey is an invitation to explore and remove the blocks that keep you from emotional freedom. Listen to Heidi and her revealing guests as they embrace the power of spiritual nakedness as a guaranteed way to live an authentic and transparent life. Expose yourself to your greatness on Mondays at 3 p.m. Central Time. Let's get naked. No dress code required. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You gotta get rid of your butt. It's bigger than it would appear. It hinders your forward movement when you keep bringing up the rear. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. 